Welcome to Everything Imaginable, the podcast for curious minds from KGRA Radio. And here is your host, Gary Cochilillo. Welcome everyone to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I'm your host, Gary Cochilillo. And today we have Sky Alexander. Uh, she is an author. Uh, she wrote one of the first books I ever read on the tarot, which was Everything Tarot. And she's also written a whole bunch of other books um, that we're going to dig into. Thanks for coming on today. Thank you for having me. Um, so how did you start writing books on the tarot? Or what got you into the tarot to begin with? Well, I think it was because I've always been interested in oracles and trying to figure out what the future might bring. And the tarot is the most beautiful of all of the oracles that I've ever worked with. So I was immediately attracted to it. Um, that was about maybe 20 years ago, and I've been working with it ever since. Um, how, how did you start learning it? Like, I know, like, like for me, when I first started learning, um, I think there was like maybe one or two books by Eden Gray, by Eden Gray. And that was basically it. That was all that was available. Well, I started by, first of all, just picking one card a day and initially trying to sense what I felt from the imagery before I looked up anything that anybody said about it. Um, and then I just practiced one card a day until I had worked through all the deck. And then I just started doing readings for myself. And gradually, as I started feeling more comfortable, I did readings for other people. And uh, I still do the same thing every morning. I pull one card to get a sense of what the day is going to bring or where I need to focus my attention. and. It's a ongoing process. And uh, do you have a particular deck that you like the most? I do. I like the Gilded Tarot. Uh, that's probably the one that I use most often. Um, I started using the Aquarian deck years ago, and I still use that sometimes. But um, you know, there's so many, and I mean, literally tens of thousands of decks out there. And, so many beautiful ones, it's hard to, hard to choose. Right. You know, I just got the uh, Gilded Tarot myself about a month ago. And um, it, it is very, it's a really vibrant deck. Um, and it also sort of, sort of stays with the same tradition as the, you know, the original Pamela Coleman deck as well. It's like some of the uh, symbol, symbology in it. So it's easy to use if you started with the, you know, right away Smith deck. Um, did you um, ever read like a lot of the books about like, you know, the, the, um, the Golden Dawn books, like the Israel Regardi stuff, Aleister Crowley, any of that? And I still read books on Tarot. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, do you have a favorite book that you would recommend, of course, other than your own? <laughs> um, not really. I think every book that I read has something to offer. And it's always good to get other people's opinions because um, 
you know, I certainly don't and never will know everything. And I like to hear what other people say, what other people's take on this. There's also an organization that I belong to called the Slow uh, Readers International Group or something like that. Uh, that every day they have ongoing discussions about different problems that they're dealing with or questions or different little teaching tips, things like that. So I do it online too sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um. So so when you first wrote the book, like like did that come? At, was it like that a result of your like daily meditations with the cards? Well, that particular book, that was the first tarot book that I wrote, and that was uh, at the request of my publisher. So I did not choose specifically the format or how to go about it. it was sort of uh, chosen for me, but it was really fun. And I did a lot of research beyond the things that I knew about uh, some of the history and that sort of thing. Um, my most recent tarot book, which I think is a lot better than the one you're looking at, <laughs> Modern Witchcraft uh, series that I've been working on. I think, it, I, I think I've just finished my sixth in that series. And it's called The Modern Witchcraft Book of Tarot. It, it has a lot more information in the thing that you want to read more. Oh. That's mm -hmm. included in the, in the action. Mm -hmm. in, in, in modern, with using um, you know, modern witchcraft book of tarot, um, are you able, I mean, are you one of those, do, do you um, suggest that or uh, have techniques where people can practice you know, witchcraft and spells and things like that by, by using the cards instead of like traditional instruments? The whole question in that particular book about using tarot cards and magic, and I do it all the time. I think they're very powerful. Um, when you're doing that, like, 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 for example, could you use like, say like the, you know, the, the Ace of Swords as your sword? For, for a ritual and the Ace of Cups, for your cup is a ritual, and so on? Well, I guess you could. I don't do it that way, but I don't see why you couldn't. What I usually do is because, as you know, spells and rituals rely very heavily on the imagery that's in your subconscious. The, the way I do it is to either tap into the imagery in the cards, or sometimes what I'll do is have, uh, are you familiar with the concept of imprinting water with imagery? Yes. So what I'll do is I'll set a particular card that, um, that shows my intention, and I'll set it face up and then put a glass of water on it and let the water be imprinted by the imagery on the card, and then drink the water. That's a really simple spell you can do. But I have a lot of others that uh, you can incorporate them into talismans and amulets. Uh, you can use them sort of as vision boards. One of the things that I just suggested doing in my most recent book, which won't be out until June, is to take a card and write on it. It's got to be one that you don't need for any reason that you're not going to put back in the deck, or you'll have to download an image from the internet. Um, I know one of the one of the organizations I used to belong to, 
uh, used to suggest um, that that people who use tarot um, either draw or or color in their own cards. I actually started creating my own deck several years ago, only about halfway through. But yeah, she can get coloring books with tarot cards in them and color them yourself. Sure. Yeah, I found that practice useful myself because I, while coloring them, I would pick up on different um, images or, or just little parts that I wouldn't notice just by looking at the card. Say that again, please. I, I, when, when, by coloring in the cards, I would notice things in the cards I didn't notice by simply looking at them. Yeah, because when you're, when you're looking at something with an artist's eyes rather than just an ordinary person's eyes, you become more engaged and then you see things much more clearly and more deeply and more intimately. Um, when using, like, I think when using the tarot, do you think the, the actual cards themselves are a magical tool or have power of themselves, or do you think it's more of um, something that's related to the subconscious? I don't think they have power within themselves. I think that they simply serve as wonderful triggers to engage your subconscious and to help you connect with higher knowledge. Um, do you have a, like a, a favorite card that you use a lot or to connect you the most? No, I don't think so. I use whatever card I need at any particular time. If I'm doing a, you know, a love spell, I would use the lovers or the two of cups if i'm doing one for success i'd probably uh use the sun card or maybe the um, queen of pentacles depending on whether i was looking for something in business or finance or uh, it's just whatever card seems to be necessary at the time mm -hmm. it's always a good one to use Um, do, do you attribute the uh, 22 major arcana cards to like the past on the tree of life? I think it's a, um, well, it's the fool's journey from innocence to wisdom. Right. Um, how about the numerology and um, Oh, astrology part of it. See, I, I would say like for me, like the hardest part is the astro astrological parts of it. Well, are you an astrologer as well? No, I'm not. I've been in astrology for over 40 years. So for me, that was the easiest part to move into because I'd already been an astrologer for 20 years before I started using tarot. Mm -hmm natural for me to move into and the numerological part yes that's very much i think a factor too yeah yeah i think i connect more easily with the neuro neurological part of it because i, I spent so much time you know studying the kabbalah it's very um numerology is i think more accessible too it's, it's to me it's not as complex as astrology but 
No, I, I definitely agree. I think like astrology is very complex. Um, so, so you've also written some, some, some other, quite a few other books. Uh, one of them that kind of jumped out at me was Sex Magic for Beginners. Um, regarding other than my novels, I, I really found that to be um, something where I could open up and really talk about things that I don't necessarily talk about in my other books. Mm -hmm. And you know, I, I've tried to get other get some guests on here to talk about that subject, but I've been unsuccess, unsuccessful. Um, because <laughs> I guess people don't want to really open up to it. Um, could you explain what some of the fundamentals of sex magic are? First of all, it isn't about romance. It's not about, you know, having, um, taking your, your sex life hotter, although that certainly can happen. It's about channeling the creative power and energy that is inherent in sexuality. I mean, that's how you go about creating babies. So it can create almost anything else that you want it to create. And you tap into that energy to bring about a result that you desire. So that's the magic part. Mm -hmm. That energy. Does that make sense? Oh, abs abs absolutely. There's definitely a lot of energy produced. Um, uh, how, how does one, like, like I think with sex magic, uh, like how, how does you direct the energy and how do you get both partners, both parties to, to do that at the same time? It doesn't matter if it's at the same time. And it doesn't even matter if you have a partner. Uh-huh. What I always recommend is that if you are with a partner, talk about it beforehand, make sure you're both on the same page because if one of you is working with a particular intention that is not in it's not the best way to go about it. So I recommend you know discussing it beforehand so that you know what you're gonna do why you're doing it and what's the outcome you hope will uh, result from that. Hmm. So, um, like, like, is there any, like, tantric type of rituals involved with it, too? Are there any tantric rituals? Yes. I guess there could be. I, I don't do much in the way of tantric. Um, so, you could. I mean, that's another form of, of sex magic from what I wrote about in the book that I was just talking about that I wrote. Sex magic for beginners doesn't really deal with tantra. Mm -hmm. um, so is your technique sort of based on uh, what Aleister Crowley was doing? To an extent, I guess, um, but only in the very basic way. Um, the person who initially taught me was very familiar with Dr. Crowley. So uh, I'm sure that there is some of that in what I talk about also. But what in, in my book, Sex Magic for Beginners, as the title says, it's, it's a pretty simplified version so that people who are just starting into this uh, you know, can work with it right away if it's complex. 
It's amazing. Um, so, so it sounds like very, very simple. You know, I've always kind of maybe overcomplicated, you know, the particular subject. I did have one guest come on my show who was doing some kind of uh, sexual technique. And he had what he described as a Kundalini awakening, where he just felt like this huge, massive shock of energy uh, flow through his body. And and he said it just it completely transformed him. And he has never really been the same sense, same since. Um, have you heard of that kind of experience or had that happen to you? I've had it happen to me. I've had it happen to one of my partners. Yeah. And I certainly read about it and heard about it from other people. Uh, it's not something that I and, and would you consider that like a Kundalini type of awakening or, or some kind of, um, you know, something with uh, like clearing like the root chakra? What I've been told, um, yeah, it starts in the root chakra and just rushes up through all the other chakras and out of your, your um, every, every cell in your body probably at the time. I have not had it happen personally, so I'm only just getting this people. One person I know just basically blacked out after that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I know a person who had like that blackout kind of experience. It was just a simple meditation, actually. It was a chakra meditation he was doing, and it happened. Um, so, is uh, like like doing the chakra type of meditations, is that similar to like a type of sex magic, moving that energy through the body? I yes, to an extent, but not in my experience. The meditation is nowhere near powerful. But we're doing some of the you know we're still awakening and energizing and opening up our chakras and chakras and allowing the flow of energy to. Well, through your body. Uh huh. Uh, do, do you think there's any dangers to practicing sex magic? Not that I know of, except that it's a good idea to uh, explain to the person you're with if that person is not already familiar with this. But to explain what can happen, why you're doing this, because let's say you have a person who's never done any of this before and has that chakra opening experience we just talked about, it could be a little overwhelming and maybe scary to that person. Right. Um, how about like, like when there's two people involved? Uh, this is something I've never done. Um, could, could one person awaken another person through sex magic? Like their partner? Um, 
like like if you're doing sex magic with a partner, um, could could you cause your partner to have like that Kundalini type of experience? Well, I I guess you could, but in my Is sex magic really that? Is is it really any different than any other type of magic? Right. But but um, so so going in that direction, um, what do you think is the most important thing to performing uh, or, or having being successful at magic? Um, is is it directing energy or is it? attention or is it effort or all of the above oh did you hear my question oh all the above um so with magic, should people expect things? Like I know, I know when I was younger, you know, I kind of expected things just to magically happen because I was doing some kind of magic. And like obviously, like later on, I, I've discovered that it, it's it doesn't just take um, intention, but I think the the intention and the rituals have to be followed up with some type of. Um, daily effort would you agree with that i think it depends on what the, the magic you're doing is what kind of a spell sometimes spells are just one off and they uh, can happen really quickly but some of them do take a long time they do take a ritualistic um if a person gets something wrong with a spell, like say they, they, they use the wrong, they pronounce the words wrong or they use a wrong herb or a wrong color candle, um, can that thing, can that have like a negative result? Uh, I doubt it would be very Um, how about like working with like spirits? Um, ha have you done any of that? Like where you're like, uh, conjuring angels or demons, stuff like that. Demons, but I do work with spirits all the time. Stay away from the demons. There's an expression you've probably heard. Don't raise anything you can't put down. Uh-huh. I don't want to get, uh, I want to work with those guys, but I work with angels. I work with Guardians, spirit animals, people on the other side, souls on the other side who used to be humans. Mm -hmm. 
So, so actually, like when you're working with, like, say, uh, somebody who's passed away, are are, it, are they able to assist us? So that's kind of like um, ancestral magic, I get, I suppose. Related, yes. Hmm. And how how about um, elemental type of spirits? What what purpose, like like using elementals? What purpose would they serve in a ritual? Like, what kind of results can we they be used for? Uh, They just lend their energy to yourself, like angels would, or any other type of spirit. Uh, Let's say you're doing a love spell, or you're doing a spell that involves emotions. You might want to bring the endings in because that's their their water spirit, that's their element. Um, Doing an earth spell, something for prosperity, perhaps. Bring in some of the earth spirits because they're just going to lend their energy. Remember, these guys are the caretakers of our planet. So they're here with us all the time anyway. And a lot of times it's the, if you're working with herbs, for example, you're already working with earth spirits because they're the ones who take care of the planet. Um, are earth spirits and elementals affected by the damage that we do to the planet? They're, they're pretty annoyed by us too, by the way. Uh, they're annoyed by us? Like cutting down the forest and polluting the water and everything. Yeah. Hmm. Did, did, are they able to influence us not to do that? They're trying. They are trying to work with people like me and like you and anybody else, particularly people who do green magic, green witchcraft. Uh, anybody who is open to you know doing environmental magic, they'll work with us. Doing that type of of magic with with those spirits, have they ever suggested, like to you or you know, alternative things that we should be doing? (laughs) Yeah, like 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 say like for example, you know, we're we're using fossil fuels and, and polluting the air. Um, when we could be using, you know, like more organic type of things like hemp or, or something like that. We definitely like that, but most of us can't get away from driving our cars or things that involve fossil fuels yet. Um, what, what they've been suggesting to me lately are the simple things that people can do, like, you know, buy organic food, grow your own if you can, um, you know, be more careful with the waste products, recycling is obviously a good thing to do. But you know, don't put Roundup on your yard. Little things that people can do every day. You know, pick up trash in your neighborhood. All those things will help. Feed the birds, feed the wild animals during the winter. Because, uh, you know, the the nature spirits take care of the animals and the birds too. Hmm. So when AC is doing that kind of damage. Um, and, and they get angry or frustrated with us. Do the, any of them ever think about like doing something to harm humans? Some of them do. There, there are a lot of spirits you don't want to work with. Mm-hmm. 
So would those could be considered demons or are they just still considered just, or they're just like, you know, pissed off elemental spirits? They're pissed off elemental spirits. Some are demons. Uh, some are fall into various categories of fairies. They're mm-hmm. all kinds. Um, why? One of the things I've always wondered is it seems like, you know, some people seem to be way more connected with nature spirits than others. Do they know how to read humans and automatically know who to trust and make themselves available to? Yes, they're more intuitive than most of us are. Uh, spirits uh one of the things like like i find is like like for example food um you know how like like some people will, will pray before a meal or something like that i always think it's nice to have some type of gratitude to where the food came from to the plant that it came from or the animal that it came from and does that make a difference in how the elemental spirits perceive us when we do those type of actions, like just to show some type of gratitude towards them. So, and I think it also uh, is very important to the person who is expressing gratitude. And I go through my gratitude list probably fifty, a hundred times a day. And like you said before, I, I thank uh, everybody who was part of this. You know, the, the animals, the plants, the sun, the rain, the earth people, everybody who brought this food to my table. Now, the, you, it's really hard to be depressed when you go through your gratitude list and think about all the wonderful things that you do have. And it, so it helps you as the, uh, the participant as well as it helps the, uh, the elementals and the other spirits involved to look upon you more favorably. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool that that something as simple as a gratitude list affects everything. It affects us and affects everyone and even the spirits around us. It's it's really kind of a it's a it's a simple practice and it's so beautiful. Yeah. And that's one of the cool things that I've noticed. It's like, look, look at the titles of your books. Um, it, you, you are so in touch with, with the idea that everything is connected. Um, like, like for example, you've written books on, on feng shui. Um, I mean, that's not, you know, something that, that like most uh, like ma- magicians would write about, but yet 
it, it, it's such an, you know, again, it, it's that movement of energy in the home. It would be, I would imagine, it's going to be equally as important as the, uh, the movement of energy around the ritual space. And um, Mm -hmm. So with feng shui, um, one of the things I've just recently noticed just about, about a week ago, somebody, one of my other guests brought this up to me, um, that my, my front door doesn't face the right direction. <laughs> Does that really make a difference? Or should I just use to go in and out my back door from now on? Interesting. I mean, I've, I've never really noticed any difference, honestly, on what door I come in or what door I go out. Um, but what I have, what I do notice, though, is uh, uh, not having everything cluttered and just um, having a natural flow with my furniture, basically, it really makes a difference on how I feel when I enter a room. And that's one of the things that's most important about feng shui being able to sense those things. I was an interior designer before I got involved with Feng Shui. And mm -hmm. automatically understand the movement through a home, you know, pathways, how do you arrange furniture so it's comfortable for people. So they're doing Feng Shui even if they don't know it. And, and I've also noticed, like, in my living conditions too, it almost, I feel better, like, Seems like the less furniture I have, the better it feels. Then that's where you should go. <laughs> you know, like 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 we had gotten a dog, and the dog was like, it's kind of stupid, but he was just peeing on the furniture. So he took the furniture out of the room and just left, you know, the couches. And it just feels like way better without all that furniture. <laughs> Yeah, it's like my dog knew feng shui. <laughs> um, when you think say that, like you know, you know, everything is connected. I, I, I mean, that's definitely, I believe, one of the fundamentals of of, of magic is, is, you know, making that connection that 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 nothing is existing by itself, and everything affects something else. Um, and, and it also shows up a lot in the tarot. I think, like, like when you mentioned, Leo, like, you know, the tarot, like the 22 major arcana cards, you know, being a fool's journey, all those, everything is always connected. And I think, 
you know, you know, in, in our society now, in, in, you know, some of the more, uh, you know, modern religions, that is no longer the case. Like, people don't view it that way anymore. Um, do you think the lack of people noticing that everything is connected is what causes so much um, strife in the world? isolated from everyone else and now of course a lot of us are more isolated than we used to be or self-isolated. Uh, I think it makes it very difficult for people to to know that they are a part of everything else and that every every word, every feeling, every thought has ramification. Every action has a reaction. And when you do realize that you're part of everything else, I think it, it really does transform your way of interacting with the world, the way you see yourself, and ultimately that's going to help transform everything else too. Um, I, I know from my, like my, my own personal experiences, you know, when I was younger, I would read a lot of books and stuff on magic. And, and I don't know if it was immaturity or what, but a lot of it sort of just went over my head and I would completely miss the point. Um, but it wasn't until later on in my life when I started practicing really just like simple meditation um, that I, I started to see it for what it really is. Um, do you recommend like any type of meditation practices for beginners? Yeah, I, 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 and I think like like the meditation for me just it, it taught me like one of the fundamentals that I, I guess I didn't have when I was younger, which was um, which was controlling my mind and controlling my thoughts, you know, and, and letting things calm down just simply just so I could focus. That's what I was going to say too. If you have to discipline your mind if you're going to work magic. And meditation is a wonderful way to you know, still the mind, still your emotions, and focus yourself. Yeah, and it, it, it's a very mind, like, like, like is, is very mindful. And that's one of the things, like I, like I say, like I was young, I missed that. I totally missed the point, you know, I just wanted results. I wanted money, and I wanted girls and, and all that kind of stuff. And now, as time passes those things don't even really seem that they're not important to me anymore now what's important is being at peace and feeling love and and wanting to cultivate love for other people and, and for everything around me not just people but the plants the animals everything yeah and whatever you put out you'll get back yeah um 
But do, do you think that's a natural path that happens to most people who practice magic? Yeah, so so I'm not alone then. <laughs> um, like what, what what brought you into this path? Like, was this like something that was was taught in your family, or is it was it, did it start out as a, a a curiosity, or did somebody you know? Um, you know, get you interested in it? Well, you're referring to it as the metaphysical world, which is, I think, all of this. Mm -hmm. um, I read my first astrology book when I was 10. When I was 11, my mother and I participated in an ESP study that Duke University was doing. And I was just always fascinated with metaphysical things. And I, I started seeing the spirits when I very, very young. I remember as early as four. And uh, it's just always been something that I've been interested in. Although over time, I've had the, the blessing of having people come into my life who would enrich my studies in various ways and directly or, and teach me what they knew. So it's been an ongoing process all my life. Um with magic and working with spirits uh, and communicating and it's in the seeing that everything is connected um do you think like um like one of the things like like, like that's out now with science is like there's a lot of quantum physics stuff with multiple multi-dimensionality and and parallel realities and things like that it, it, do you think that, that that science is just starting to learn um, what people that, that have practiced magic have always known? You're catching up. It's a slow process. I really that right. But what they are catching up is, um, I, I, just, I just find it interesting how, how, you know, older practices were in um, more introspective practices um, get given the same results as what they're finding out now by examining the material world. Examining the real world? The material world, like like science, you know, looking at atoms and quantum physics and waves and particles. And they're finding out now that a lot of uh, what magicians were practicing it turns out to be true. Um, 
How about, um, you know, like I know, like, like for example, um, where I live, um, some people would consider magic doing the devil's work. How would you respond to that? Well, I live in a very conservative Christian community, and so I hear that all the time too. Uh, just they're ignorant. They've been taught, um, and they haven't questioned. They've not looked into it. They don't know what they're talking about, and they're scared. Basically, that's just ignorance. Mm-hmm. And, and how and how how would you suggest somebody to deal with that type of like like I know like some people might feel like you know an urge to lash out at those type of people, um, but obviously that's not the right thing to do. And then I think some people might even feel guilt, you know, for 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 believing in magic and in wanting to investigate reality at a different level. Um, how, how do you suggest a person handle that? Hmm? Well, I guess it depends on whether that person is really open to dealing with understanding where they're coming from and being willing to change. Because a lot of people don't want to change their mind, really. And a lot of people I don't try to argue with anybody about wasting years doing that. Um, but if somebody is genuinely interested in talking to me about what I believe, what I do, and why, then I'm happy to do that. I had one guy uh, who looked at my website and he called me and he said, How can you be a witch? You're such a nice person. I said, Where did you ever get the idea that witches aren't nice? And when you ask people to start investigating where all this these misconceptions came from, it, it, it can uh, rattle them a little bit. Right. Um, do, do you think, like, like, I mean, do you think that, that, that people um, can, uh, like, like, say, for example, somebody who is like a devout Christian or something like that, um, do you think there's a way for them to incorporate magical practices into their life? without um, changing what they believe? I think anybody can you know, do magic regardless of whatever their spiritual path is. Yeah. But you don't have to have any spiritual path, any religious background, any spiritual denomination to go with. It's, it's purely up to the individual. There are certain religions, such as Wicca, is a religion, not just a practice. Uh, but you don't have to be. Anybody can do it. They just have to be minded. Um, are there any good methods? Um, well, I know there's a lot of good methods, but 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 do you have any particular methods that you suggest um, for people to protect themselves from negative energy? Simply to surround yourself with a ball of white light. I say something like, I'm surrounded by uh, divine white light. I'm safe and sound at all times in all situations. You know, and I just envision that every time I get behind the wheel of my car or whenever I'm doing anything that I think might pose any sort of risk, that's the easiest one. It's very effective. 
Okay. So, so you just visualize like a white light around you and, and, and kind of put it out there that you want to be safe and to protect you. And then people can do other things that make them feel safe. Yeah. Uh, how about like with the home? Do you do you suggest that people like smudge their homes with like white sage or use anything like that to or crystals in the home? Is there a reason why, like, like, like for me, like, I, I always use white sage, uh, and I find it really effective, but I have no idea why it works. <laughs> I'm not sure why white sage would work necessarily better than others. It's just a traditional thing that people use and you can use pine. You can use uh, pretty much anything you want. Yeah. Trigger certain things in your, you know, your brain. So that's probably the reason that various uh, individuals choose certain scents for certain reasons. Um. How about like well, you already mentioned that that like you use like tarot cards and water, so um, is there something to like like priests blessing holy water? Is it like blessing holy water? Yeah, like like is holy water like like when they bless it, does it actually change the the water, or make it more cleansing? One of your books that I noticed you have is a uh, healing touch therapies, and I, I've always questioned: Does a person need to be um, have to pay somebody to be attuned by for Reiki, Reiki in order to be able to heal somebody with touch, or is it just a natural ability that everybody heal has? Everybody has.
of love and divine will, whatever you, know, you want to call it, and projects it to others and to yourself for healing purposes. And people have been laying on, been laying on hands forever. Is there any difference between um, like laying of hands and healing, you know, touch therapies? For example, um, is it any different than like, you know, giving somebody to somebody a hug to make them feel better, or is it the same thing? It's, it's, it's transferring positive energy. Um, you know, all of these healing touch therapies have work on certain areas. I mean, acupressure and Reiki—the only thing they really have in common is that they're manipulating energy. They're transferring energy and tapping it and making it flow better in the body, but they're working with it and using a different modality. Um, same with massage. Massage has the physical part of loosening up your muscles and your energy to move more freely through the body. So it has both dynamics. Uh, but all of them are about moving energy and, and opening up your chakras and allowing you to receive divine light and love and right yeah I, I totally agree with you you know um it, there's definitely different modalities that do different things um but i also always believe that that we all have the ability to heal each other i agree it, it's it's intention which is back to that that basic part of magic which is just you know having a good intention or a bad intention. Um, scrying. When, scrying is something I am terrible at. Uh, do you do any scrying? Yes, and stop telling yourself you're terrible at it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so that would be the first thing I have to do is stop telling myself I'm bad at it. <laughs> um, do you try it with a, a crystal ball, or do you try it with water, or what? What devices do you use? Oh, I've tried. I've tried crystal balls. I've tried water. I've tried black mirrors. And candle flames and smoke and all that other stuff. <laughs> no, I, I haven't done candle flames or smoke yet. No. Um. I like crystal balls best. You have to use a real crystal ball, I think, to get the best results, not just the leaded crystal glass thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but once again, it's all about opening the mind, relaxing, allowing your, your imagination to come forth. And you know, don't put expectations on what you're going to see. Just look in the crystal ball or look at the water, whatever you're doing. You can look at in the hood of a well-waxed automobile, if you want to, just allow your mind to relax and let those visions, those images, and impressions arrive within you. Don't think or anything. If, if a person is like, if when scrying, how do you know if you're seeing something or if it's just your imagination? Well, just your imagination sort of um, 
suggests that your imagination is not real, that it's not a part of you, that it isn't communicating with you. Mm -hmm. I don't think there is anything that's just your imagination. Secondly, once again, it takes a little practice, but some people will get a different kind of aha sensation when they know something is right, like I like get a little tingle on the back of my neck, or it just feels different. The, the answer that I've gotten, the vision I've gotten, or the impression just feels right. Go with that, believe it. After a while, you'll start getting confirmation in your daily life. Like you had an impression of something, and then uh, the next day something happens that confirms that. And you pay attention to that sort of thing too. Start really looking for signs that confirm whatever your impressions were. And don't second guess yourself. Let it come. Hmm. I I like that 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 there's really no such thing as just imagination. That imagination is just as real as anything else that we experience. You know, because I, I think we're taught to to ignore that part of ourselves as, as kids, and it just stays with us. I think we're to ignore a big part of ourselves. Most everything that's really important. Yeah, I mean, that, that's why I named my podcast Everything Imaginable, because everything starts as something that somebody imagines first, and then it becomes real. Absolutely. You couldn't build a building if an architect had not imagined Right. Yeah. We, we, we imagine everything before we actually create it. So, so in that respect, everything that we imagine has the ability to become real. I agree. Awesome. Uh, um, where, am I, where, where can my listeners find you? Well, they can go to my website, which is just skyalexander.com. That's the easiest place to find me. And um, yeah, I'm going to post a link to that um, in the notes to this episode. And I'll also post a, a link to your um, Amazon page as well, so people can uh, check out all your books. I hope they will. Oh, they definitely will. This was a pleasure talking with you. Thank you for coming on today. For having me. It's been a pleasure talking with you too, Gary. Awesome. Well, thank you. And um, and have a great day. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable on KGRA Radio. You can reach Gary at everythingimaginable2020.com or email him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can buy T-shirts, coffee mugs, and other merchandise to support the costs of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of his page, www.everythingimaginable2020.com. Oh yes, I almost forgot. You can buy his book, Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on Zen that you'll ever need, and it's on Amazon. It'll change your life, because remember, everything that exists was first imagined. Hey, if you loved what you listened to, don't forget, rate, review and subscribe.